0: I was asked to write an article about using self-storage as a vehicle for funding one's retirement. I almost turned that assignment down because I have very strong opinions about the retirement advisors and that industry and wealth advisors in that industry, but I decided to go on and do it. And write the article, and that's what this episode's about today. And we're gonna talk about self storage as an alternative investment vehicle for one's retirement. So let's talk about that today. My name's Mark Helm. I'm the author of Creating Wealth Through Self Storage, and I'm the creator of the On Demand Self Storage Bootcamp, which is the premier training I offer that's designed to take you from wherever you are today all the way to putting your first or your next self-storage facility into service. You can find out more about it at creatingwealththroughselfstorage.com. Now, I want to start off by saying I am not an investment advisor. Don't listen to me about your retirement and your investment advice. I'm not a wealth advisor, and I'm certainly not a retirement advisor, retirement wealth advisor. But what I do know about is what we've done with self-storage. Everything I say is my opinion and seek outside advice and I am in no way advising you what to do with your retirement. Now with that said, I believe it's important to take charge of one's finances. I believe the investment world, the re- the world of investing in equities and stocks and bonds and retirement is purposely kept complicated. And it's something that you can learn, you can take control of, and you be in charge of your finances and your retirement. That's my opinion. The Wealth Advisor and Retirement Advisor, it is the only industry I know of where people can take your money and they have no fiduciary responsibility to you. I'll say that again most wealth advisors and most retirement advisors who take your money have no fiduciary responsibility to maximize your return and look out for you now that doesn't mean that all fee-based wealth advisors are bad people out to get you I'm not saying that what I am saying is unless they are a fiduciary a flat fee fiduciary they don't have a legal responsibility or a fiduciary responsibility to you. Most people don't know that. Now if I was ever going to turn my money over that I've worked hard to earn to somebody else to invest, I would definitely use a fiduciary. But I cannot see a situation where I would ever do that. The real problem I have with the industry are the fees that they charge. So, there is a most wealth advisors will take your money, charge you a fee for managing your money, and then they will put your money in mutual funds or stocks, and in a mutual fund. There's all kinds of fees in most managed mutual funds. They Every time a stock is bought and sold within a mutual fund, that creates a taxable event for you, a fee for you. And it's the fees that eat up the wealth that should be going down. Don't take my word for it. Here's what Jack Bogle said, who is the founder of Vanguard, which is uh, a a mutual fund that's a low fee in uh, index fund based fee and when Tony Robbins was interviewing him for his book on this is what Jack said to Tony let's assume the stock market gives a 7 percent return over 50 years at that rate because of the power compounding, each dollar goes up thirty dollars But the average fund charges you about 2% per year in costs, which drops your average annual return to 5%. At that rate, you get $10. So $10 versus $30. You put up 100% of the capital. You took 100% of the risk. You get 33% of the return. Now, add on top of that the wealth advisor or the retirement advisor's fee on top of that. So, fees can really eat up. People don't realize how the, the power of compounding. And you see it on our 10-year spreadsheets as you look at the positive effects of compounding, but it also can be reversed. Fees eat up the money that most people will have worked hard to get and earn. And again, don't take my word for it, the S&P indices produce an annual report there is a link to it in episode 351 uh, under the training and blogs at creating wealth through self storage you can link to it and see the and see how well the managed funds perform in relationship to the index funds at the end of 2016 for example eight out of 10 managed funds did not perform as well as just the S&P index fund. 8 out of 10 of them. I've heard in some years it's as high as 97% of managed funds do not perform as well as an S&P as just a standard index fund. Now this isn't an episode on funds. What this is an episode about is hopefully spurring you to take responsibility for your own retirement. I'm not saying don't use wealth advisors. I'm just saying know what you're getting into. Consider using a fiduciary if you're going to use one. We're going to look at three examples here. We're going to look at in the first example using a wealth retirement advisor. We're going to look at using an index fund and we're going to look at a fictitious storage facility. I could look at a storage facility I've done, but I wanted to make this as timely as possible and we're going to use today's numbers on the storage facility we're going to look at in each scenario we're going to be investing six hundred fifty one thousand two hundred and fifty dollars now I chose that amount because that's twenty five percent down on the storage project we're going to be talking about so I wanted to create an apples to apples scenario so we're going to be using that amount of money and you'll see it in a second in each of the the examples so the first and now remember I am not an investment advisor this is not investment advice this is not telling you to do storage over index funds over working with a retirement advisor this is showing you different scenarios so let's say that you're working with an advisor and let's say that advisor is netting you 7% now I've never had anyone actually quote me that they will quote me gross returns and then take the fees out of those but let's say that you're getting a net of 7% and in this which is high a retirement investor investing your money and giving you money to live on. So, in, the, in this scenario, you're going to give them the $651,250. They're going to pay you each year a net of 7%. In reality, it might average 7%. But for apples to apples comparison, we're going to give you a 7% return. And then at the end of the ten years, we're going to give you your six hundred and fifty-one thousand two hundred and fifty dollars back. Here's what the cash flows would look like. So, time period zero, when the deal starts, you write a check for six hundred fifty-one thousand two hundred fifty. If it if they if it was a flat seven percent, it would be forty-five thousand five eighty-eight. In reality, it won't be that, but it could average that over a seven-year period and then you get your money back plus your forty five thousand five eighty eight so you would get six ninety six eight thirty eight back in year ten when you look back and look at what did that six hundred and fifty one thousand earn me in that retirement investment instrument it was a seven percent return and it Said another way, the internal rate of return, or the average return you receive per year, for that six hundred fifty-one thousand was seven percent. So let's say let's take that same amount of money, and let's say you put it in s and P five hundred index fund. Now that's a non-managed fund. You would just own stock in the S and P five hundred. Whatever it is. And as that S&P 500 goes up and down, you go with it. But there's no trading going on, so the mutual fund's not creating a lot of fees, reducing your uh, income and reducing your capital. And there's no management fees or very little management fees from the people who manage the index fund. Let's just say Vanguard. Now, from 1985 to 2015, the S&P 500 averaged a 10.3 per year return. That's through good times and through recessions. In the last 10 years, from 2012 to 2022, through a big expansion, if, if, The S&P 500 averaged 14.7% per year return. So now in the next 10 years, do you think the economy is going to be doing as well as the last 10 years? I don't know. But let's just, for the benefit of the doubt, let's use 14.7% average return on an index fund for your retirement fund for 10 years. So let's look at how that might look with that type of return. Again, time period 0, you you invest in the index fund, the 651 250. 14.7% return is 95,734. You would get that for 10 years and then in year 10 you get that plus your 651 250 back. In this scenario you literally do nothing now what was your internal rate of return that's right 14.7 percent return if those were your cash flows now in reality some years you would get more if, if in the beginning years your cash flow is above the 14.7 and then in the waning years it, it, that's where it was below your internal rate of return would actually be higher but I don't know what it's going to be. If it averaged 14.7, this is the only way I know to kind of compare apples to apples. So that would be your internal rate of return. Today in today's world, if people are getting 10% in mutual funds, they're they're thrilled. If that's the average now, let's look at a self storage scenario. Now, self storage is not something you just hand your money to somebody. In this scenario, you've got to learn the self storage business. It takes something. It's not a complicated business. If I'm doing it, that's proof it's not a complicated business, but you've got to learn the business. So, what I'm doing is I'm taking a small, we're not doing a big deal, let's do a small 35,000 square foot facility. Let's assume you're building it. You may buy it once it's built, but in both cases, I'm going to assume there's no tenants in it. But it's a new 35,000 square foot facility. Let's say the land costs you $400,000. And let's just use $63 a square foot construction costs. It's a, you know, mostly non-climate controlled drive up small 35,000 square foot facility probably on a couple acres of land so if and we're going to assume 88 percent is stabilized occupancy so let's take a look here if this was the deal here are some of the basic numbers on it 35,000 square feet you got 400,000 in land cost. Your construction cost is $63 a foot, would be two point two million two hundred and five thousand. So the total cost of the project is 2605000 Now, for analysis purposes, because we're doing a quick analysis, let's say that we're getting an average between climate control and non-climate control of, let's say, $1,325 a square foot. I've got a lot of facilities that are generating that, some that are generating more than that. But that's a reasonable number. And let's assume that we have a 40% cost of operating. Our operating expenses are 40%. In an automated facility like this would probably be, it's probably going to be less. If it was a multi-story, 100% climate control, your operating expenses probably be a little closer to 45. So 40% is a reasonable number to assume on this storage project. We're also going to assume you're financing this, you're putting 25% down. That's where the, in other words, $651,250. And your loan is a standard bank loan, 20 year loan, 5% interest. So when you hit 88%, just so you know, here's what it would look like. Gross potential income at 1325. Although it would probably be higher because our income goes up each year, but that's $463,750. So your 88%, 408100 your 40% operating expenses, you'd have a net operating income of 244860 And if we put a seven cap, because we don't know what cap rates are going to be in the future, that'd be almost a $3.5 million value. So if you build this asset and get it leased up, that's the value of your asset. So let's look at how the cash flows could probably look on a project like this. Now, I'm assuming that our income's only going up 3% a year. Just so you know, in our portfolio from 2012 to 2020, we averaged almost 6%, I mean, just a hair shy of 6%. Our operating expenses never went up more than 3% a year so we were getting a compounding spread of three percent but in this scenario we're just going to keep the income at three percent an average increase and whatever that is 40 percent so it won't look quite as good as what our portfolios perform but we're going to keep the expenses at a flat 40 percent for this analysis so let's look at how the cash flows may look on the storage facility so, in time period zero, again, you're investing, you're closing on the deal, you're putting up 651250 Now, in year one, you're either building or you bought it just built. So, at the end of year one, you're going to be, let's say you average 35% occupancy. That would be a gross income at thirteen twenty-five square foot of one sixty-three $3.13. Operating expenses are forty percent. Your NOI ninety-seven. Now on the loan payment, in reality, you you would have interest only. But just for the sake of this, to keep it as conservative as possible, the principal and interest on that loan is one fifty-four. The seventy-five percent loan on um, the cost of the project, and remember the cost of the project was two million six hundred five thousand is one hundred fifty four seven hundred twenty-seven. So you would have a negative fifty seven thousand three thirty-three in year one. Now in year two our income went up three percent, our occupancy went to seventy percent. Our operating expenses more than doubled, but our NOI is 200,000. So we would have, and you still have the same debt service, so we'd have a positive cash flow of 45,981. In year three, we hit stabilized occupancy. Income went up 3%, expenses are 40%, so that would generate one hundred and twelve, eight thirty-eight projected cash flow. And you can see th- for the remaining portion, the only action happening here is the income's going up 3%, and the expenses are staying at 40%. And that increase in the difference between the operating expenses increase and the income increase is compounding and that's what takes that 112 to 164 now in reality it would be higher but just using a flat 40 percent we get that And then in year 10 we get the 12 months of operating cash flow plus we get sales proceeds. I used a seven cap, and basically I took the net operating income in year 10, divided it by a seven cap, and came up with a sale price. And I add that to the, uh, the net sale proceeds, which I'll show you in a second, to the operating in- income. You would get 4114894 projected cash flow in year 10 on this financial model here is how I calculated year 10 sales proceeds the NOI was 329 projected NOI was 329072 you put a 7 cap on that that's a 4.7 million so and it went up 2 million over 10 years You doubled your money in 10 years. In reality, we're getting it closer to four to five years in our portfolio. A lot of people I work with are able to do that quicker. Cost of sale, 5%, loan payoff, net cash proceeds, of 3940549 in this model. Add that to the operating cash flow, that's where you got the $4.1 million net cash flow in year 10. Now, if you take these cash flows and run the internal rate of return, this is a 25.9%. Internal rate of return over ten years. So, in other words, that six hundred fifty-one thousand two fifty averaged. If these were your, if those were your cash flows, it averaged twenty-five point nine percent. Yes, it takes something to to build a storage facility. Yes, it takes something to actively manage a self-storage facility. But you can see the difference if somebody who actively manages their investments or someone who just turns over their money to someone else. You should be rewarded for, the, for your time, energy, and risk you take. And in this case, you're rewarded by about 10% per year over 10-year period now this isn't for everyone i my intention here was to do two things one to begin to stimulate your thought process about using self-storage as a retirement vehicle or part of your retirement vehicle and two to stimulate for a lot of people the idea of taking control of their retirement and their finances now, I woke up to this fact in my early 50s. I realized that I didn't have a retirement set aside. It wasn't going to happen unless I took control of my finances and I created a plan and a strategy for it. Fortunately, I'm now at the, at the place where I don't have to work if I don't want to, if I choose not to. But I love what I do and I love For me, creating, working, and creating storage projects is like art. You're creating something from nothing. It's very fulfilling. And I love working with people like you who are interested in doing the same thing. So I choose to work. But I'm in a fortunate position that I don't have to. And that was from self storage. So I hope this stimulates some thinking. Take what. I'm saying here, and go out and research it and come up with your own retirement formula and I will see you on the golf course. My name is Mark Helm, I'm the author of Creating Wealth Through Self-Storage and I'm the creator of the Storage World Analyzer. That's the financial analysis tool we use to create the projections as we lay out our ten-year or five-year plan on holding a self-storage facility. You can find out more about it at Creating Wealth Through Self Storage or StorageWorldAnalyzer.com. Thank you very much, and I look forward to being with you next week.